Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. The name's changed. Good. We got that. Hey. Big business today. We are back. The bleachers are open. And you know what? That is one thing that you can count on. During all of this quarantining and self-distancing, the one bleacher that you can hang out in is going to be with me and Tuttle right here on Bleacher Blums. We are uh, having a blast coming at you every week. I know that things can be a little hectic, a little downtrodden. It turns into Groundhog Day. What am I going to do tomorrow? What time am I going to bed? Should I even wake up tomorrow? Is today Taco Tuesday? I have no idea. But you know what? Tuttle and I, right now, we are just going to give everybody listening to this podcast, everybody watching this podcast, a golf clap. Because you are handling this as well as you possibly can. We are cheering for you. We are in this with you. The whole whatever hashtag alone together, whatever the heck that means. We are grinding this thing out with you. And we greatly appreciate you joining us. And I hope that you do find a little bit of an enjoyment maybe in the hour that we put you uh, through the through the process of being in the bleachers with us. But we will always welcome you, your friends, your family, your kids, everybody into the bleachers because we are all inclusive. And obviously this has been a special week in sports that never happened. This should have been Masters Week. We should have been giving you a breakdown on what happened. So I am just going to throw out some of the memorabilia I've accrued over the years from going to the Masters. I've got my Masters hat on, got my Masters flag flying in the background for a good time. But uh, there's a lot to talk about in this. Golf is gonna be one of them. I think golf has given us a little bit of hope. Also an interesting uh, tie-in with our previous podcast. We've got some Major League Baseball news, obviously with how they're going to handle the situation moving forward. Some interesting thoughts on that. I know Tuttle's got something on that. And then how about the NFL draft? This is really interesting to me and I can't wait to talk about that with Tuttle. And uh, we've got what'll tell say we've got Blum and Blummer coming up where you might actually learn a little something about baseball because I am in the education business now because as much as I teach you, I will be learning at the same time. So it'll be good for both of us. But I'm going to bring my good friend Tuttle in and I want you to understand that I have figured out what quarantining means. Quarantining means this. Naps and snacks, baby. How you doing Tuttle? Doing great, Blummer. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for the welcome in, and I want to show everybody my shirt as well. I got the uh, out bump my head. I got the uh, <laughs> injury. Yep, injury. I'm on the. I can't say DL. I'm on the injured list. But uh, I got Please my uh, bleacher on the podcast. <laughs> I got my uh, bleacher Blum's uh, cross guard orange shirt on today, just for everybody at home. And uh, I got to remember that there's a shelf right up here, so if a lump forms as I go. Yeah, don't do that. We don't want no concussions in podcast world, man. Come on. There man. we go. Hey, you got to get an injury somehow. You can't get an injury napping and snacking. But um, yeah, but uh, yeah, we, uh, the golf clap is well warranted uh, during this. Uh, that we just finished Masters weekend or what should have been Masters weekend, and and I do have to applaud everybody. I mean, out here, um, basically the news is that we're turning the corner, and I'm really thrilled that that's happening. I mean, it looks like we're about to peak out. And then, um, you know, kind of start to matriculate back into society. I'm not sure how that's going to look. And I think based on some of the discussion that we've teed up for today, um, people, you know, pilfering and, you know, kind of jumping on the bandwagon of our ideas about how to bring baseball back slowly. But it looks like, uh, 
it looks like that might not have been the greatest idea received received by the players in terms of being quarantined for three or four months. And, and I think you already touched on it, but golf seems like uh, a kind of an easier thing to bring back because there is some isolation out there on the course. And instead of going from, yeah. you know, foursomes and threesomes, maybe they play twosomes and, you know, get everybody tested and, you know, you don't have to have anybody out on the course, anything like that. So I think that uh, sports, um, just like society will come back slowly. And, and I think my, my big thought for the week is we've been in this quarantine so long now that, and it kind of took us a while to get used to it. Like, Oh, you know, we had that toilet paper run and then we had the, you know, you can't get flour or sugar at the stores. And I'm sure there's some people in a bunker somewhere like worried about if the world's going to continue, but it took us so long to get into that quarantine mentality. It's going to be really interesting coming out of it. I think that that transition out of the quarantine is going to be surreal. It's going to almost be like um, being like getting put on quarantine. Yeah, no, you're, you're dead on. It's one step at a time. And where do we go? And how do we interact? It's going to be super, super unusual. I think that you might be onto something and it might be kind of interesting to talk about. But you know, first things first, if, if you are new to this podcast, whether it be on the, the YouTube channel, which we are on social Nostra, or if you would just listen to the Bleacher Blums podcast itself on every major platform that we can find, you are going to find out quickly, like you just did on this podcast, that David Tuttle is the optimist. Uh, I am the cynic. I, I'm the one that is a little more like, what the hell's going on? And Dave's, Dave Tuttle will be the guy that's like, Jeff, I think we're overreacting. But I love the fact that you're bringing in hope. And I think that's something that we really need to kind of latch on to right now, you know, not to steal everything from Shawshank Redemption, but, uh, you know, you kind of got to nurture the hope that there is hope. And I think you're right that uh, there is hope at the end of this whole thing, because if we do believe some of the media reports and some of the news we're getting, it is the results are much better than even the scientists anticipated. So I think that helps not only life itself, but it helps what we talk about a lot is sports. And then moving forward, I think that you have really touched on an interesting fact because I'm not sure, you know, there's, you know, this because you, you read and you're much smarter than I am is that isn't there, there's something in order to, in order to create routine, you have to do it, you know, how many times in a row? Do you remember that? I mean, there's something like that, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be, you gave me credit for being smart. I, I think it's different for everybody, but there is definitely, I mean, this is what we talk about from baseball. Like it's one thing to take a ground ball and then to be shown how to do it, but you got to do it over and over and over and over in that repetition. There's a Gladwell talks about 10,000 hours. I mean, we've definitely been in quarantine. What seems like a lot longer than 10,000 hours. So um, if that's the case, then obviously this is the new normal. And I think that's what you're touching on. Yeah, so it's this has become our routine. This has become the normal for us, whether it be going to bed at three a.m. and waking up at noon. You know that that is what it is, and that make and that's going. Even if you're in routine in quarantine or not in routine, somehow your life has been altered. And when we do come out of this, and when they say, "Okay, stores are open, get in your car, go where you need to be," whether it uh, you know you know go pick up uh, Best Buy, whatever it is. You're right, though. I think, I think it's interesting that eventually when we do get out, everybody's going to, you know, there's already the face mask thing going on. You know, there's already the people wearing the gloves. Are we all going to continue that when you get outside? Every, think about how self-conscious, or I, I don't know if you're even self-conscious, but more aware of other people in the area. You're going to be looking at them going, did he have it? Did she have it? I want, they look like they had, you know, I mean, are we going to be like that? Are we going to be hyper paranoid now? 
I don't know. We'll see. I think when they give us the go ahead, I think we got to go, we got to go for it. I mean, uh, my, my analogy and what I've seen, because there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason with who it affects. And I, it's affected some people in my family personally, and they're fine. So my thought is like, it would be like inviting eight dudes over to play poker. You're all your buddies, you're young and healthy. And one dude gets it and dies. And you're like, Oh, that one guy died. And it's terrible, but it's kind of like, how, how do you predict which one that is? And I think that's what's been the scary part about this oh, is man, that yeah. there are people we know that have had it that are healthy. There are young people that have gotten it. And, uh, you know, I say young, like younger than you would expect. Not really young. They, they, anyway, no young folks have died from the COVID-19. But anyway, uh, I digress. I, I think the point is that it's just very arbitrary. And I think coming out will be really interesting. And, I'll, and let me just say one last thing is funny because you talked about going to bed at 3am and getting up at noon. And um, I've been super busy with work. So I've kind of kept a regular schedule, but I got showered the other day, as the folks could tell, haven't found a razor in the past <laughs> 10 days, but I did shave once during quarantine. But anyway, um, I came down showered and I had pants on and a flannel and my daughters were like, where are you going? where are you going? I'm like, well, I'm not He's going anywhere. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I just decided to shower and get dressed today. Like what's wrong with that? Like, why do I got to be going somewhere? So, so out of the normal to watch dad. I mean, dad's showered up and ready to go. What's wrong? That's right. So that's the new norm. And we just touched on it. So yeah, that that's good stuff. And we hope that everybody's handling the quarantine just fine. And uh, now that we've gotten some pleasantries out of the way, I've got some, an exciting sponsor of this podcast that stepped up for us. It is going to be Ladder, and Ladder is a nutrition group that was founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger, two highly athletic individuals, uh, to change the way supplements are made. What's interesting about these guys, already athletes, but they grouped together with some top scientists to formulate a line of clean performance products, which I think is kind of great. And unlike most supplements where they just produce them and get them out to the masses, these guys are actually doing a great job of sending every batch to be tested by a third party verif to be verified to the highest standards of quality and safety. And just so you've got a little bit of proof, I know on the podcast, you can't see this, but I have actually tried a couple of packets that they've sent to me. Obviously the protein powders are going to be pretty popular. I've been drinking the vanilla plant protein. It's been going really well for me. Obviously it mixes great and it's uh, pretty smooth when it goes down. There's a solid vanilla flavor to it. But you know, what's interesting in quarantine is that, you know, sometimes your food choices may not be spectacular. And what's been great, I found this one, it's, it's called greens and it just basically supplements all of the uh, broccoli and Brussels sprouts and green beans and all of the vegetables I should be having. So now I can get it in powder form, get the supplement uh, as far as the, the vegetables are concerned, get those in me. So I've had a lot of fun uh, working with them and we appreciate their business. But if you go to ladder dot sport and enter the code better every day you'll get 30 percent off everything site-wide so again that's better every day is the code for 30 percent off at ladder dot sport and that is going to do it for business we appreciate appreciate ladder being on board with us and we are going to get now into the thick of bleacher blums and i talked about it earlier and you can see it over my shoulder the masters what should have been Masters week, I'm sure my wife is thoroughly upset. I hadn't planned on going to the Masters this year. I've been three times. The pageantry, the glory, the majesty, the arrogance, if you want to call it, is amazing. And I love every bit of it. And I'm sucked in. I'm sold out. I drink the Kool-Aid, whatever you want to call it. 
So I was thoroughly disappointed not to uh, be watching the Masters, obviously because I get to watch the Masters in the morning, call a baseball game at night. That's a pretty darn good routine to be able to go through. And then Sundays are always fun when you during, the, uh, during these majors because usually it's a day game on Sundays. Call the game, Astros win, we say happy flight, get on the plane, and guess what's on TV? The finish of these majors and the Masters most notably, everybody on the plane gets into it, so it's a lot of fun. We missed out on that. But I am trying to give you guys a hopeful message that golf is giving to us. And it kind of parlays into what we talked about last podcast about golf being the perfect social distancing sport, because I have played golf during the quarantine and I've literally haven't been within 10, 15 feet of people that I've played with. We actually, last time we played, we each had our own cart and uh, four carts just went out into the fairway and we'd be screaming at each other, yelling at each other until we got to the green of the tee box. And then we could talk a little bit. But I think it's really great that golf has stepped up and said, okay, we understand our sport. We understand it's a very good spectator sport to be there in person. But we also understand that we want to get the sport to people at home. And they have a unique sport in the sense that they don't deal with teams. They're all individuals. Every hole has maybe its own camera or camera guy. They usually broadcast with a guy on the course trailing some of these guys. And then they have a, a specific booth set up in the court on the course where they can broadcast some of the overall, you know, broader topics and go to each hole and talk about it. So I think they've really taken advantage of the setup to go out there and play golf. And I think it gives hope to everybody else out there. I think that Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, we all needed somebody to go, hey, we're, we're going to give this a shot. Granted, they're a unique situation, like I said, being a bunch of individuals playing this sport so you don't have them in a dugout or a sideline and you're worried about who's going to get what. But if these guys test positive, I mean, negative, and they clear to go play golf, they're going to get it done. And I absolutely love the fact that they picked times and brought back the majors and put some emphasis on that. So I am incredibly stoked about that. I'm going to get some of the information from Tuttle and see how he feels about this whole situation, if it's the right thing to do, if not. But... I think that uh, you should talk a little bit about uh, golf bringing things back. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, ideally what we just talked about before with the baseball piece and um, you know, trying to get the fans in there and everything like that. Golf is very um, kind of uh, isolated anyway, and you don't need to have people on the course to go play. I mean, you guys, you know, there's never any fans out there. And I prom, I promise, you know, <laughs> that, you don't want to see me out there golfing and you shouldn't be there. I have a hard enough time teeing off when like four of my buddies are standing there throwing uh, grass blades at me while I'm trying to, to swing. But I, no. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think, but I think your point is well taken. I mean, all of us, especially listening to this podcast are sports fans and sports um, enthusiasts. And I think we're trying to think about what we talked about at the outset I think we're just trying to find a way to get back some sense of normalcy. And I'm realizing I'm watching a ton less TV. I mean, maybe a few more movies than I would, but I'm watching a ton less TV because on the weekends, I usually would, like you said, I'd have the masters on or whatever golf tournaments closing on Sunday when three or four guys are right there or, you know, baseball game, unless you and TK are broadcasting. And then I mute that, but you know, I mean, there's a, there's, there's all these things that, you know, as, like I, I, the only thing I can come up with is sports enthusiasts. There's all these things that we use to define our, uh, our normal life. And I think that golf, as you pointed out, would be uh, something that could probably get us back there maybe a little bit sooner than some of the other kind of heavy spectator type sports. 
And, uh, and you know, who knew that after me creating all the optimism on this podcast, you would be the one to kind of put that shining, that shining light, that beacon for us to follow, <laughs> to get back out into uh, the real world. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I think it's great that they're doing it. And it's just, it's the first sport that has actually really stepped up and said, hey, we're going to get back to it. We know we're going to have time. We can create some normalcy and get that going. But that kind of, you know, it's going to lead into the next subject. But I wanted to give you some particular dates because if you are a golf fan, you enjoy it, you know that the majors are a big deal. Obviously, the money is out there and a lot of these guys want to play to go make that money. And the tour understands that, you know, part of the integrity of golf is going out there and figuring out who the best is at the end of the season. And the way they do that is playing four majors throughout the course of the year. And they've done a great job. The PGA Championship is going to be at uh, Harding Park up in San Francisco. We actually have a connection there. We play there a lot. So we've actually been able to kind of see the course, you know, turn itself into a PGA course. And it, it, that's what the fairways look like now is about that narrow. Uh, which make it incredibly interesting. And the rough is obviously off the charts trying to hack out of there. But, but that's going to be August 6th and 9th. And I believe that might be the first one that they have coming back. That will be the initial target for PGA to uh, get things going again. The Tour Championship is going to be uh, first weekend of September. The U.S. Open out in Wingfoot in New York is going to be September 17th and 20th. But there's two uh, tournaments that I want to talk about that are obviously near and dear to my heart. Uh, the Houston Open. Uh, the Houston Astro Foundation has actually backed that one. Jim Crane's bought it, so he's running this thing. And they renovated Memorial Park downtown. So this is going to be one of the best tournaments, I think, of the year. And it actually, this is, a, this is a blessing for what the Houston Open is trying to do because it is the week before the vaunted Masters uh, lineup. And what it's going to do is a lot of guys are going to show up to this tournament, try and hone their skills and make sure that they're ready for the Masters. But they're also going to be playing a great course in a great city, on November 5th through the 8th. So by then, it should actually be very good weather and conducive to getting uh, some of these really good golfers to get out there and play and get some of the TV that they need uh, for, to give the uh, tournament the exposure that they want moving forward, which I think will be a huge boost for them. And then obviously, Masters, November 12th through the 15th. And I have marked that on my calendar. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go, but my wife is already committed because we had a Zoom uh, get together on Zoom with all of our masters and Augusta friends that we uh, usually see typically. Uh, we drank our pink azaleas as we reminisced about great memories of us being at the masters and some of the moments that we remember most. And it was a ton of fun. But a lot of what uh, me going there depends on obviously what the baseball schedule is. But I'm going to hand this off to Tuttle because that's the next topic is Major League Baseball. What is Major League Baseball going to do? And there's been depending on how you look at it, some harebrained ideas or some great ideas, or are we just appreciative that they're actually thinking about trying to get the game back out there? So Tuttle, the floor is yours. Yeah, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast extensively, and I know it's a baseball-heavy podcast, but I think, um, you know, I saw an article today with Rob Manfred, and uh, what's been coming out in the past few weeks have been plans. They've talked about getting everybody in Arizona, which I think we heard on the Splitter Blums podcast prior. Um, and it sounded like the players were pushing back a little bit, or there's no way that, to have everybody kind of quarantined there, and it's going to affect the, you know, the stadium workers and all the stuff. And and what Rob Manfred said today is, 
these are just ideas, you know, they're just brainstorming like everybody. And I think to his credit, it's probably one of the most intelligent or at least <laughs> um, reactionary thought out things that he said. Did you just say Manfred thought out? Well yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I know that, you know, Dud Selig is your favorite oh. guy and then you got Manfred and, you know, I mean, there is a sort of built in animosity between um, ownership groups, the commissioner, who represents the ownership groups and the, you know, and the MLBPA. I mean, it just kind of is always there. So we don't tend to love their thoughts and their processes anyway, but I just thought that he at least created some sort of, um, you know, he diffused the situation a little bit because it was starting to gain momentum where it's like, Hey, you're going to keep us away from our family. Yes. We're making money, but what about the stadium workers? They have to be, you know, I, you know, my wife's going to give birth to a child. I saw one play and I don't want to be away from them during that time. This is a crazy idea. Why can't we wait until everything is kind of settled or we're back to normal? And Rob Manfred just said, look, this is, we're, we're all looking at um, putting ideas together to what we've already talked about has to get everything back to normal and figure out the best solution. And I think if anything, a CEO and or a commissioner, they're not going to, you know, they answer to shareholder revenue component to all of these things, but they're not going to jeopardize their company and they're not going to jeopardize their revenue stream um, for a quick take and for a quick solution, I don't believe. I mean, they know how important the players are to their revenue stream and I just don't see them being hasty. There may be some things that we disagree with and there's some ideas that aren't going to, you know, come to fruition or you're going to have to be inconvenienced in some capacity. But they're not going to say, all right, you guys are all going to Arizona. Don't argue with us. This is going to happen at the expense of, like you said, losing uh, overall money or revenue and or having a, like a strike or a lockout or a walkout, anything like that. They will not jeopardize. So I thought it was nice that he kind of backed off and just said, hey, look, this is, um, this, these are ideas that we're putting forward. And, and you already brought that up with the Masters being in November. Um, you know, you don't know what the baseball season, nobody knows what it's going to look like. And they may be playing, you know, in cooler weather than they're used to instead yeah. of, you know, October, they're going to be in November and it'll be really interesting to see how that pans out. But I think it's nice to know that these are just ideas and we're all trying to come up with solutions. And hopefully we come up with one sooner than later, as we talked about as the curve is flattening here. Yeah, it's been pretty interesting. And some of the stuff that Tuttle is talking about, obviously the first one that got out there and created all kinds of chaos was we're going to put 30 teams in Arizona. We're going to play at 10 spring training sites. We're going to use Arizona State University's field. We're going to use uh, the, the Diamondbacks. I believe it's still called Chase Field. And uh, we're going to you know, play triple headers and we're going to play in the middle of the afternoon in 115 degree heat. I don't think that was, you know, those are, that's speculation. I think that the idea was, well, could we play? Where could we play? And that's what happened. Somebody blurted out Arizona and they said within an hour's radius of, the, of Arizona, you have access to so many spring training sites and a big league facility. And then you take it to the next level. And somebody said, is there two cities or two states that we could play in? And then you said, obviously, Florida, they said, you know, move the American League to Florida, move the National League to Arizona, let them duke it out out there. And then we'll have the great big awesome World Series. But you know, to Tuttle's point, those were just ideas that were kind of blurted out there. And I think where we're at as far as information and the desire to see sport, that we have a tendency to overreact. And I mean, obviously, Twitter's created that opportunity where we do uh, completely overreact and freak out. 
And that was the, the initial thought. And I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, to Tuttle's point, hearing some of the arguments from the players and things like that. And it kind of, it kind of harkened back to what we talk about at the end of our podcast and what happened in 19, you know, well, I don't know what years it was. It was in the you know, early 1940s when they had to shut down the season for actually an actual world war. And these dudes were like, okay, Ted Williams is like, I'm going to go get in a plane and be the baddest MF or in a, in a plane. And of course we expected Ted Williams to go be awesome at something else other than baseball. But you know, these guys sacrifice their lives. And then I, t- then we talk about the sacrifices that our military first responders, uh, frontliners that everybody's working with this COVID, you know, is it, is it too much to expect baseball players to be a little more selfless and understanding and say, Hey, I know that that guy and that woman have spent two tours of duty over in Iraq or Afghanistan at a year at a time. And they've missed two births of their kids. You know, I mean, I don't want to discount the birth of a child because it's amazing. But at the same time, I have a hard time understanding me or baseball players explaining the sacrifice when there are other people sacrificing so much more for so much less money. That's the best point of all, I think. I mean, and and like I said, I think the reason we brought this up is Manfred said, these are just ideas. It's great to spitball these ideas. The problem is, as you said, with Twitter and uh, something I'm going to touch on and what will Tuttle say is this immediacy to report news and to get the news out there. Mm. So Manfred might be in, you know, talking on a Zoom call and they have, you know, a couple people in the room and somebody hears him saying, hey, you know, I think the Arizona idea, that one seems to be one that's rising to the top. And exactly. Now, boom, you're on your phone. Ooh, ooh, I have breaking news. This is, you know, this is going to get me some Twitter follows or some Twitter likes, or it's going to create some sort of, um, I don't know, firestorms, right? Where, but cre- create some, uh, some yeah, chatter. Word is either, but exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're gonna, saying. yeah and I, and I feel like exactly what you said is, is just, you know, I mean, these, I, you know, like you said, the military does things that maybe we can't imagine, but like when these folks go uh, overseas and they miss the, not only one birth, but two births of their children, because, you know, they're away for a year, 18 months or two years, um, you know, being quarantined in Arizona for four months and still collecting your paycheck and, you know, being able to provide a service um, is probably not the greatest sacrifice of all time. The other thing that you brought up is again, we're just trying to figure this all out together. We're trying to figure out what the best solution is. Not everybody's going to be happy with what that solution is, but you know, how do we get back to normal? I mean, even with golf, there's less fans, there's this, but how do we get it back to normal? Go ahead. But I think you, you nailed it right there. The thing that, the thing to remember when we're talking about these things or speculating or listening to what Rob Manfred or players are saying is nobody's going to be happy with what actually goes on. You're going to have the fans are going, I can't, I can't watch a game if I'm not sitting in the seats. You're going to get the fan. It's like, oh, I can't watch it on TV because there's no ambient noise. There's no enthusiasm. Uh, you're going to get the players are like, well, I didn't perform as well because there weren't fans in the stands. You know, I mean, there's going to be excuses for everything. But I think the most important point is, you know, you're not going to please everybody all the time. It's right now, how do you just get the sport to as many people as you possibly can? And hopefully the, the number, the greater number is better, bigger and better than the fewer number. And I think that's the biggest concern to what you're pointing, what you just pointed out. Yeah. 
And uh, that's going to do it for the baseball. And I think moving on, it's going to be even more interesting for the NFL because the NFL has said, no, we're going to draft, we're going to spend money, we're going to go out there and just keep our product out there. And uh, part of me appreciates what the NFL does because they keep their product out there year after year, month after month, and they create all kinds of momentum in the offseason. I think the NFL has really nailed the offseason with the drafts, the trades, the combines, the, the pro days, obviously those have been altered. And speaking of altered, mm-hmm. who knew that the greatest thing in sports is fantasy football has now actually made its way to the NFL stage. This is the first thing I thought about when I heard about Roger Goodell being in his basement calling out names. I want to see him with the, I want to see him with the old school graft, you know, draft board. I want the I want the Buffalo Bills that to be Buffalo's mafia. I don't want the Raiders. I want you know black, you know on the black hole. I want like fake football names with the right logo next to it, and I want to have Rob Manfred. I mean Rob Manfred, <laughs> Roger Goodell get up there. Roger Goodell get up there and go. Now for the San Diego Los Angeles Chargers of Southern California. They draft Tua, Tua, you know, Tua Vailoa. Man, I still can't get that guy's name right. I but think it's Tua Vailoa, yeah. yeah. You know he's practicing that name in his basement, by the way. And then they make the announcement. I want him to slap that sticker right next to the team name and start going down like we all do in our fantasy football drafts. How excited are you for this draft, for the way it's set up? And am I just making – am I having too much fun thinking this is going to be like a fantasy football draft because I, I want it to be like that so bad? So a couple of things. I, I have a strong suspicion that Roger Goodell is going to be wearing a suit, and that's unfortunate. Like he's going to be in his house, you know, I'm sure he has a palatial estate somewhere, but he's going to be wearing a suit. <laughs> and as soon as I see that camera angle come on him with the suit, I'm going to be disappointed. If he is wearing a T-shirt or a polo shirt with a beer, then it's on. I mean, they should all be kind of – it would be so nice to see everybody Please. casual you know that i mean they never show the coaches rooms or the gm rooms any but half you know copenhagen over here like feet up on the desk like that's our guy we want him so it would be nice to have some cool insight into um how it's all going i mean we've all altered um kind of the way we interact based on zoom anyway we're doing this podcast via zoom my work stuff has all gone to go to meeting or zoom and uh you know we have to kind of I don't know, get used to this new uh, environment. And I think, boy, it would be fantastic to see Roger Goodell in like a Miller Lite t-shirt, you know, sponsored by Miller Lite, you know, and uh, the champagne of beers. And uh, we have, uh, you know, like you said, Tua Taibaloa or whatever, Tua Vailoa. See, I can't say it when you put me on the I know, spot. I screwed it up for you, man. I put it in your head. Now you can't say it right. How about Joe Burrow? That's really easy to say. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say yeah, Joe Burrow. That's who Burrow. you want the first pick to be. You don't want it to be Tua because you want to be like, oh, great, Joe Burrow. Yeah, I got that. That <laughs> rhymes. Right. Okay. <laughs> and after a couple of pops, you know, much easier oh, to roll off the tongue. Joe Burrow. That would, that would be fantastic. I'm with you. I, yeah, the pictures of the war rooms, it's got to be a lot more casual. I don't understand why they would actually – I mean, if you're going to do this, do it all the way. Don't just sit here and go, okay, we're going to keep it the same, buttoned up, uh, NFL draft brought to you by – dude, break it down. I'm, I'm loosen the tie and have some fun. I'm telling you, if, if Goodell's wearing a suit, I may click it off. I mean, this has got to be – I mean, it's a one-time deal. Like, get, get in your polo shirt, put your feet up. He should be wearing, like, slippers – I'll give him a, a break if he's wearing 
slippers and like a smoking jacket, like, you know, in his lounge, you know, like, all right, in a big high back leather chair, kind of like story time and a pipe. Like, oh, and the first pick of the draft today is... It'd be great. Closes the door, flushes the toilet, comes out, and he's like, with the number three pick overall. Uh, Great. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. I don't know if he's got nephews, nieces, kids, you know, whatever. If he's got some grandkids floating around, bring the grandkids over and just be like, hey, Grandpa's going to be downstairs calling out some names. If you want to come down, come down and have him be like, well, hey there, Sonny. You want to call out the fifth pick in the first round and just let it rip? That would be great. And the, I, I think just something, because I'm not a big draft watcher. Typically, I'll see the highlights maybe in the first round. But I do know like on day two, because I'm always looking for something to watch. I'm like, oh, and day two, the draft is still on. And you're kind of like, eh, unless you're involved in it, you're mm-hmm. not, you know, kind of paying attention. They'll have like, I remember the Raiders a couple of years, they had like Tim Brown come back and yeah. you know, do a pick. So like you said, they're having special guests or special kind of visitors like, hey, we're going to have Jerry Rice announce the fifth round pick of the 49ers. It would be so great. Like you said, Roger Goodell, this is grandkid number seven. And come on, Billy, come up here. I want you to announce the, you know, like you said, the Los Angeles Rams pick for, you know, the fifth round is going to be so-and-so. I think, like you said, there's so many things that they can do. You say you said it kind of at the outset that they end up staying at the forefront of the news and at the uh, forefront of kind of the sports uh, world. I think if you go back and look at when their press releases are, you know, they'll pick like a master's weekend to press release something. And you're like, Oh, we, you know, we can't let the masters have all the, the, the say so and the hubbub. So to your point, I think there are many things that they can do, but uh, being a kind of professional buttoned up organization, it'll be uh I think we'll, we'll, we'll be sorely disappointed with uh, the results. That's my guess. Yeah, I didn't anticipate you coming up with that. But I, now thinking about it, I mean, this is an absolute golden opportunity for them to do something like that. And now that you brought it up, you know, if Roger Goodell is, man, hopefully cool enough to do something like that, or at least, you know, make it a little more casual and fun in that sense, because I agree with you, if they are buttoned up, you're just going to go, okay, they're just making picks. What's the fun in that? I, I will now be a little more curious about the players because usually they're in that uh, green room behind the stage or next to the stage waiting for their name to be picked. And will they be suited up or will they be chilling out and do, you know, do some TikTok dance if they get picked with their family or something? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Now, see, now we really, we did not prep this before the podcast. We're not really at all. That is the on. truth. So, but we think about those green rooms. So those guys come out in the suit du jour, like they had, oh yeah, this was a custom made suit. And look, I put the team logo in here and I knew this was going to happen. And you're like, oh, great. But I think they're probably going to have to be quick with the camera because they're going to, I mean, if they're really going to go into the top 25 players' homes with, you know, Zoom or some sort, of, there's going to be all kinds of chaos and mayhem. And um, I guess what do you guys call it? I mean, most of the things you do on TV are produced. This is going to be, uh, you're going to have lack of control and nobody likes lack of control less than the NFL. So they're going to go into the third. I mean, you know, we saw that picture of the guy from the dolphins a couple of years ago from Mississippi with the, uh, with the gas mask on. And hey, he was ahead of his time, man. Don't get yeah. mad. <laughs> oh, cause of the quarantine. Yeah. I think his was filled with smoke, but you know, what do I know? Yeah. So hey. my point is they're going to have incidents like that. They're going to be like, Hey, with the third pick and the guy's like, woo. You so, go, what? <laughs> yeah. Wait, it's me. It's me. Anyway. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with the draft. And I think to your point, you brought up the fantasy football piece. This is, 
he should just get a magnetic board with stickers on it. The same thing we see in spring training when they're shuffling guys around rosters and, and they should just go, all right, with the third pick and they slap it up there and, uh, and they would definitely create some good television. And I, I have to say with the lack of sports on TV now, I'm, I'm going to probably tune into the NFL draft. So. Yeah, I know I am. And, and I even more so now that you brought up the fact that Roger Goodell has an opportunity to turn this into a, a spectacle in itself and have some fun with it because hopefully there is no other time like what we are going through right now. So you might as well go out there and make it memorable and make it stick and, and keep it in everybody's memory so that when they do tell a story and say, Hey man, we went through this hellish time where there was a pandemic, but man, did we take advantage of it and have a good time with the NFL draft or bringing back golf or bringing back baseball. So some good topics right there around the world of sports and some great insight uh, from my boy Tuttle over there. And I think now that we are going to move on, we got a couple of hot topics out of the way. Of course, we got to get back to Waddle Tuttle Say. Waddle Tuttle Say today, where it's going to be an open forum after I, if I, after I give us a little topic. That's kind of how the poll podcast goes anyway, because, uh, you know, an optimist and a pessimist and a, you know, a cynic and all of those kind of different balances we have on the podcast. But um, I read a really interesting article. I found it interesting um, by Phil Mushnick of the New York Post. He's a longtime writer. The New York Post, I know they have a reputation of hot and cold, but definitely strong opinions. He brought up a topic that fascinated me regarding um, credit for a breaking story. And he was really critical of ESPN because ESPN's like, you know, as recorded by Adam Schefter, or reported by Adrian Wojnarowski, like those are the only two guys ever out there. And I think the, 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 the intro to the article was about Al Kaline. So Al Kaline, supposedly one of the most gentlemanly guys in the entire world. I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with him or met him, but. No, that, that's a true statement. He was one of the best people. I mean, you roll into Detroit and he was literally the mayor of Detroit because of all of his accolades with uh, the Tigers, but he couldn't be more gentlemanly and willing to talk about the current game or the game he played back in the day. He was a phenomenal human and may he rest in peace. Yeah. Great. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And I, and I've heard all of those good things. And, you know, I was with the Tigers briefly in spring training, had the chance to meet him, but can't say that we had a deep conversation. So, but, you know, like you said, I mean, he is just um, kind of well-revered and well-regarded throughout the game, regardless of who you are. But, um, you know, uh, Phil Mushnick was just touching on the subject that, you know, ESPN really has now just taken credit for everything. Like all sports news comes from them. And he said in, in the military, it's a serious offense to, it's called stolen honor. And that was kind of the, the title of his article. But he was saying that, you know, stolen honor is, you know, something that's, you know, you can get court, court martialed for, you oh, know, wow. be like, yeah, I saved that guy. No, I saved that guy. I mean, I mean, obviously it's lying and there's other things there, but essentially, you know, if we just watch ESPN, it looks like Adam Schefter does everything in the NFL, you know, every once in a while Mortensen gets in there, um, they're kind of the partners on the NFL insight. If you, uh, if you do anything basketball related, it's Adrian Wojnarowski and Woj has all the in insight and he gets all the news. And he was saying, look, all these news outlets comes from everywhere. And A-Line's brought up was re reported first by the Detroit Free Press. And he's saying what ESPN should do is say, hey, look, as reported by the Detroit Free Press, Al Kaline passed away today. That was given to, you know, our inside guy, you know, whomever, right? I mean, whoever that is, who's the baseball guy over there? Jason Stark is not at ESPN anymore, but anyway. Oh, geez, yeah, it's yeah, well, uh, Buster Olney. Yeah, Buster Olney. So as reported by Buster Olney. 
you know, and, 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 and then he brought up the Kobe thing, same thing. Like there were plenty of news outlets that saw the helicopter thing go down first. I mean, there's nobody from ESPN that lives right there in Agora Hills or wherever that is. I mean, but it's ESPN as reported by, you know, NBA reporter. Anyway, and it just got me to thinking. So I, I kind of wanted to, like I said, open this up to you because you probably have a little more experience with the press and now being quote unquote, a media guy. I feel like, he, he's right. I mean, he's right. Like mm-hmm. we look at it like it's, Hey, all the news comes from ESPN. And I realized that those guys have some folks on speed dial. And if you want to get something out to the general public, you got to go there to get it out. But it's really disheartening to think that ESPN has now become such a monolith and such kind of a, uh, uh, um, uh, I don't know, just a, a monopoly on the sports world that, mm-hmm that they're taking credit for every piece of news that we get. And, and I think Al Kaline would have been disappointed to know that, you know, ESPN <laughs> is the first one to report that he died when actually they weren't, they were the second, third or fourth. So uh, do you have any thoughts on that? And I, I, I don't know. I was touched by the article and, and felt like, you know, that he was right. Phil Mushnick was right. And I think it's part of a broader topic to be honest with you, because I think that, now, what you said, it's more important to be the guy who said it first than it is to be the guy who got it right. And that is probably the biggest issue that's going on. And obviously, I feel like these social media websites have created that, uh, that atmosphere where I've got to be the guy that gets it out there. I've got to be able to be the guy that tweets it. And uh, it's kind of interesting for me now to watch on the, you know, on the other side, you know, getting off the field, getting behind the camera, behind the microphone. And I get to get into these daily scrums with managers before games. And I'm just trying to give an example. I, I mean, to, to set up what I'm trying to say is that when you get in these media scrums and before every game, like during BP, a manager will give a media session and there'll be five to 15 people around cameras, uh, reporters, everybody's got their phone up in the guy's face and they're videoing. And, you know, if somebody say a manager is breaking a, you know, a story, say Verlander, this is just an example. This is nothing true to this at all. Hypothetical, everybody. Yes. Let's say the night before Justin Verlander comes out of the game in the fifth inning. He never does that. He usually sticks around to the seventh or eighth inning. And uh, the next day uh, the manager sits there and goes, Justin Verlander came out of the game yesterday because he tore his labrum in his shoulder. Oh my, dude, everybody would be off their phone and immediately getting their Twitter out and being like, oh my gosh, I, I'm, you know, as reported by, you know, whoever, they had to be the first person to get it out there. And then it could turn out later, that, you know, oh, it was just a partially, you know, it, it was just an aggravated shoulder. But, you know, sometimes the, the, I feel like in this day and age, and obviously on the political side, it's even bigger joke, mm-hmm. but more people are more concerned about getting it out there first than actually getting it out there correctly and giving the correct answer. So I think that's kind of to your point a little bit too, is where they get a little hyper aggressive and say, I want to be the guy, look at us. We got all the news. We got the scoops. You need to watch us. And I know that they're struggling as far as a, as an organization or that kind of news entity, because man, 24 seven news, 24 seven Twitter. I mean, everybody's got an angle. I know it's kind of funny on the other hand, watching a lot of the baseball news that comes out, Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, these guys, they're always giving credit to somebody else. And it's kind of funny as noted by so-and-so first. So I don't know if it's just a baseball thing, but you're right in the sense that I think ESPN tries to take all that glory and just get as many clicks as they possibly can. And unfortunately that's the world we live in right now. 
You know, I appreciate your insight. And I think you, you're absolutely right. It, it is a broader topic than what I brought up. The article just touched, um, touched a nerve with me thinking about it. And I think the problem you, you is- You probably when you have, notice it more now that you read the article. Well, absolutely. And, 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 but I also noticed what you said, like Buster Olney and, you know, Peter Gammons was always really good at it. Um, Jason Stark. I mean, these guys are solid humans. They know where the report came from, or they'll say, Hey, you know, even the clubhouse attendant reported that, you know, Hey, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, they're not allowed to speak typically, but yeah, they're, they're very, um, they defer and they say where they got the information. I guess my thought is, I mean, how much credit do you need, right? If you're ESPN, people go there to get the news anyway. So it's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's going to hinder, you know, Adam Schefter or Adrian Wojnarowski. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing those guys either. I don't know how mm. they get their news and how they go about their business, but it just seems that if they were the second or third source, it would be very easy for them to say, as reported by the Detroit free press, Al Kaline, you know, as, as was texted to me by the Detroit free press, like beat writer, you know, whatever his name is, Joe Schmo, he told me that Al Kaline passed away today and, we were sad to hear of it. ESPN still gets the credit. They have an, you know, like you said, an international following and a broader audience. And that way the news spreads, but they do not have to be the first one, you know, on every street corner and the first one to uh, be shouting the news all the time. So, I mean, that's what I have for what I'll Tuttle say. I will pay attention to it uh, a little more fervently and I'll, I'll probably report back with, uh, with what I, uh, with what I hear. And I love that you brought up that it is a bigger issue. It's that thing that we love that Twitter verse, that, momentum that need to be the first to do things. And I think, again, we've continued to talk about our upbringing and baseball and grinding things out and taking kind of a long process to have results. You know, you do not get immediate results. And I think there's a lot of, lot to be said for that. And it looks like some people that are new, like you, I'm not a big fan of TMZ, but TMZ doesn't look like a, you know, hard hitting, like deep into the news story kind of organization. They're like quick hitters and they're probably happy. They have sponsorship and they have money, but it's not my kind of, not my cup of tea. And it's not something that resonates with me. So that's all I got for what will Tuttle say. Let's throw it over to Blummer for Blummer Blummer. That's right. And I got a couple of topics and one of them I want to hit on is everybody keeps talking about the Sabre metrics, analytics, this and that. So I'm going to take this opportunity while baseball is not being played to do a little bit of education. I'm not going to get crazy. I'm not going to start talking launch angles. I'm not going to start talking about getting my elbow up and trying to create lift, but I'm going to try and educate everybody. And again, when I say educate everybody, I'm in the everybody category because a lot of what I've done in the booth is try to learn these analytics and see how they apply to the game or if they apply to a story or even if they apply to stuff that happened when Tuttle and I were playing, because we've heard it from Dusty Baker. We've heard it from Jeff Bagwell. We've heard it even from Tuttle talking about the spin on some of his pitches. A lot of what Tuttle and I did as players when we were playing are the same as what they're doing now. There you go, Tuttle. Tuttle's or got that four seam spin going right lack, there. Lack of spin on my pitches typically. This is <laughs> yeah, but you were the sinker ball. Show that two seam. There, there you is, go. That two seam. There you go. So what we're going to try and do, and of course, Tuttle can give a whole seminar on pitches and, and what to do with them. But right now I'm going to try and give you guys a little bit of the uh, analytics because what we said back then, the, the vernacular has changed. It's just they're using different words, maybe smarter words. But when you're on the field, you don't say spin rate. <laughs> you're trying to figure out how do I get this thing to break? Um, and how do I create lift? I'm trying to elevate the ball. So what we're going to start with today is a pitcher statistic. 
Are you going to make us more smarter? Is that what you're going to do? I'm going to try and educate everybody at home who is listening to this podcast. And the first one we're going to start with is WHIP. Nice. And WHIP stands for walks plus hits per inning pitched. And I got that definition right from Fangraphs.com. You can go to Fangraphs.com in the right-hand corner. You can click on glossary and they do a great job of giving explanations. And I even use this website during my broadcast, not only to get stats and information, but also to get, you know, if I'm questioning my idea of what one of these terms is, I can get the definition there. And what's great about the, the uh, definitions that I'm going to give everybody at home about WHIP, you know, OPS plus and things like this as we move on through these podcasts is these are just quick reference guides. I don't want to get in depth and really start pulling out the weeds. I know FIP can get a little interesting at time, a little bit into the weeds, but I want a quick hit, quick number that you can go to and go, man, walks and hits per inning pitched. Guess what that is? That is essentially the measurement of how many runners a pitcher allows per inning. And total, what is your job as a pitcher? What is your job as a pitcher when you're facing a hitter? Yeah, to get guys out. You do not want runners on base. And I know what whip is. I probably experienced some better whips on certain years than uh, than others. So yeah, no, I mean, you want to keep guys off base. And obviously, the lower the whip, the better, uh, the better your um, ERA and most likely the better your runs allowed your um, runs allowed per those innings is going to be. And that's why Tuttle is on this, because he can back me up. He can reiterate the fact that that's exactly what a pitcher's job is. Keep runners off base means you keep them from scoring and you help your ball club win. So to that point, I'm just going to run down five guys who led in whip last season, both across the American League and National League. And what's interesting about this is that they are all under one runner per inning that they have allowed. Only five guys did it all of last season. I think there's about 60 some odd starting pitchers that qualified for this. And so you're going to have Justin Verlander was the leader in whip at a 0.80. So he was two one hundredths underneath that or two tenths underneath that thing. The next Garrett Cole, obviously in the same rotation with a 0.89. Next Jack Flaherty of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, a 0.97. Jacob deGrom, Cy Young award winner, 0.97, and then Zach Greinke at a 0.98. So just to give you an idea of how that whip kind of correlates with ERA, and if you did back those numbers up, which I could have done a better job in giving you the ERAs for these guys, is that the low whip equals pretty much a low ERA. And so there's going to be anomalies in there, but I'm just trying to give you some stats that will help you understand or maybe investigate a little bit more easily to see how great some of these guys are. So that is whip. Walks plus hits per inning pitched. And that's how you get that number. So that being said, I want to now focus in on all of the scientists, scientists, doctors, and everybody who is, who is locked in on trying to figure out this godforsaken COVID-19 thing. We need vaccines. We need cures. We need whatever. Whatever they're looking for, antibodies, whatever it is, I want them to not worry about what's going on outside their bubble. They're in their hazmat suits. And you know what? I would actually like to have all their hazmat suits in jet black, black masks, black hats, get angry at this thing. Turn on Metallica, flip on Seek and Destroy, get in there, get mad and figure this thing out. I don't care if you got a red bullet. I don't care if you got to caffeine your brains out. Go straight gamer on this thing and just get the monster energies 
and get in there and start figuring out how to fix this thing because we need you. I don't want you to worry about anything else in the world. I know you're away from your families. We all are. Get in there, grind this bad boy out, figure out that vaccine for the greater good of humanity, put your name on it and put it out there. Don't worry about who's gonna offer the most money for your, your creation on how to fix this thing. Just get in there and fix it because I believe in you, we believe in you, and for God's sakes, we need something good to come out of this. So grind it out and I'm done. Wow. That was impressive. I don't know how that related to whip, but that was awesome. And I think you're right. I think we need, we definitely need people to kind of put on the blinders and lock themselves out. But that's a, that's a diatribe I haven't heard. And I love it, Blummer. It's an awesome way to finish this out. And uh, yeah, that kind of falls into what we normally do at the end of every podcast. I know it's a, it's a 180 from the whip to the encouragement of figuring this damn thing out. But man, I know that you feel the same way as we, we know, having been in baseball, that a lot of failure uh, leads to a great success. So I know that they're kind of running their head into a wall and maybe f- found some obstacles they need to get over, but they will do it. I just pray that they do it sooner than later. And we are not only are we counting on you, we're cheering for you. But that goes for all healthcare providers who are out there. Um, you know, it's tough to watch them be separated from their families and wave to them through a window, but they're doing a great job. We appreciate you. Everybody who is supplying the nation with everything we need to survive in quarantine and obviously first responders and all of the military out there trying to keep us safe. That's just kind of how that dovetailed into the tail end of this uh, podcast. But had to get that out there and want that, want them to know that we are highly encouraging them. And I'll send you, I'll send you all my Metallica albums if you need. You know, you brought it, Blummer. You brought it. You always tell me I br- I bring it, and uh, that's just a really uh, great words of encouragement. And uh, I think uh, it just piggybacks on everything that we've been saying. And it and it and it will happen. I mean, I think you yes. know, kind of putting all the resources together and not worried, like you said, about financial things and. Uh, you know, what the best business decision is. I think the numbers will um, bear themselves out that they're doing everything that they need to do. And I know I have said that this is not the worst year on record. It's too early to say that, but it's been a dumpster fire of a year. And I think that uh, we need someone to put the dumpster fire out and kind of get us back to normal. And and I think your words uh, will go a long way. Um, Let me say one thing. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I hope they do. Yeah. So as we close this thing out, I just want to say that everybody that was looking forward to the mailbag, we've kind of decided that instead of doing two or three or four emails um, per episode, we may put out a special mailbag episode, or we may just kind of have, you know, half a podcast dedicated to your questions, your thoughts. Um, We do appreciate everybody that kind of reaches out to us and listens and all of that. But this week, especially, we felt like we had plenty of things to get off our chest and um, and we wanted to take care of that from our end, but, uh, please continue to download rate review, send us your mailbag, um, watch us on YouTube, the social Noster channel. So just follow, uh, follow us at your leisure and, uh, please be good to us. And, uh, and that's all I got for the day. Blummer really, really powerful words. And, uh, we just want to send good vibes out to everybody on the front lines, um, doing everything they can to kind of get our life back to normal. Yep. Appreciate you, Tuttle. Great job on the podcast. And again, you can go to bleacherblums.com to find all the swag, all the archives of podcasts past, and you can get to that mailbag and send in all your questions and comments because I agree with Tuttle. We, we do thrive on a lot of the feedback that we do get and we enjoy answering those questions. And maybe we do dedicate a, an entire podcast to answering some of those mailbag questions because the ones we do get are actually pretty 
pretty, pretty good in-depth questions that we actually have to think about quite a bit. So we look forward to those. And obviously, over the Easter weekend, we had a, a competition on our website that a lot of people uh, got in on. And I want to announce that Gretchen Faskus won the Easter egg hunt, finding that Easter egg on our website. And uh, she is on Twitter at volumelover underscore 36. So we will be getting your swag out to you, Gretchen, and greatly appreciate you participating. Uh, our buddies at Just Geek It set that up with a, it was a great idea, great execution, and fans followed through on it. So we appreciate that. And before we get out of here, I also want to remind everybody that April 15th, not only is tax day, but it has been extended to, I believe, July 15th. But April 15th is one day during the season where I get thoroughly excited because of the history of the game comes out. And it's Jackie Robinson Day. And obviously, he broke the color barrier in baseball. It's a phenomenal story. I know that uh, I have already made my kids watch the, the movie 42 and watch some documentaries. And they love the story of Jackie Robinson. And the movie 42 was actually extremely well done. I mean, incredibly harsh in some points during that movie, but I encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast, go out there, rent it, buy it, find a way to watch the movie 42. It's a great, uh, a great job of telling the story about Jackie Robinson and what he meant, not only to society, but what he meant to the game of baseball, opening a door to allow a lot of uh, very good athletes into a great game called baseball. Tuttle, awesome talking to you, man. I look forward to next week. Stay busy, stay safe, everybody at home. And of course, what we always want to ask everybody is get after it. But most of all, you got to believe it. I kind of funny, funny how you look at me. Then you go and look away, baby, I disagree.